welcome back to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and I'm with my amazing friend and co-host, Angela Donadio. This month, we are finding our fearless as we discuss her upcoming brand new Bible study, releasing October 1st, Fearless, Ordinary Women of the Bible Who Dare to Do Extraordinary Things. The Bible is so full of relevant stories that give us the guidance and strength we need for things we are walking through today. Last week, Rahab showed us that our past doesn't have to paralyze our future. And today, Angela is introducing us to another woman you might recall, the Samaritan woman at the well. Her story speaks to an issue plaguing women today, comparison. I love your key statement about your story. When we refuse to cower to the voice of comparison, we change our culture. Thank you, Denise. It's so great to be back with all of you today. And yes, these women are more than just mere words on a page. They are real women that we could talk to about real issues. Don't you wish, Denise, you could just pick Yakubed's brain for parenting advice? <laughs> or, you know, Rahab can certainly help us yank off the rearview mirror of our past. Mm-hmm. So let's travel forward a little bit into the New Testament, and we're going to meet another unnamed woman who had the longest recorded conversation with Jesus in all of Scripture, and it took place in John chapter chapter 4. Their conversation became a turning point in history, and it transformed a broken woman into the first female evangelist. Her boldness revolutionized an entire town, which is a remarkable turn of events considering she had a few key strikes against her. She was relegated to the bottom of the social system as a Samaritan, and she was steeped in sin. See, centuries of turmoil had intensified a rift so great between the Samaritans and the Jews that Denise, the Jews, would actually avoid them at all costs. You know, the major trade route went right through Samaria, but they would inconvenience themselves and go around Mm -hmm. Samaria and cross on the other side of the Jordan River just so they wouldn't have to have any interaction Mm -hmm. with the Samaritans. There was such um, an issue and a problem of deep-seated prejudice. Yes, you know, and I remember learning that before and thinking to myself how much, how similar our society can be at times. Mm. You know, in different ways, people think that one color uh, is better than another. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it's foolishness and it's ignorance. But I thank God that He's opened our eyes to see that all are created in His image. But Jesus never let man made barriers keep Him from divine appointments. He knew that no one was exempt from grace. In the story in John 4, Jesus asks her for a drink, but by the end of the story, he offers her the gift of living water and eternal life. Angela, you talk about this moment in your book. Can you tell us about the significance of his request? Sure. You know, the Jews refused to handle or consume any food or drink that had even been touched by a Samaritan. Let's say even the cup Mm -hmm. that she would have gotten the water with because they believed and still do that it would make them ceremoniously unclean. They have a lot of laws and rules and regulations they have to follow to stay ceremonially clean. So this long, detailed list of complex steps, if they became unclean, which you know a lot of the Old Testament gives the rules of what that would be, they would have to do all of this complex system to return back to a state of considered to be clean. So she knew full well what it would mean to hand him a cup. 
So imagine, Denise, you know, the thoughts that are running through her mind Mm -hmm. at this moment, because racism was nothing new to her. Mm -hmm. She was used to being, you know, disregarded. She was accustomed to being degraded and treated down because of her race. And her quick response gave voice to a lifetime of comparison. She said back to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So how can you ask me for a drink? You know, I was thinking when I studied this, she didn't have to say anything. She could have just lowered her eyes and handed him a drink and gone on her merry way. But she was stunned by his request, and she stood up to speak up. She refused to allow the crippling weight of comparison that honestly she had dealt with her entire life to keep her from this conversation. She was so used to fighting for herself. I believe she could scarcely comprehend that someone was actually fighting for her. And Jesus didn't just fight for her. He fights for us. He fights for every ounce of dormant potential that he sees in us so we will step into our calling. Mm -hmm. And he fights for every single piece of our heart so we will know our worth. Because when we do, we will find our fearless and we will fight for others. Amen. When he responded to her, he was giving her worth Mm -hmm. right then. He was, I know growing up, um, I used to feel when I would hang around my brothers and their friends, I was the one not talked to. You know, so I can remember feeling I didn't have much worth. I was too ashamed to even talk. Mm. And so I can picture how she would have been shocked, Yeah, you know, that he would even speak to her. Mm. And he just right there told her, you're worthy. Absolutely. I see you, Mm. which is so huge. So often people don't feel seen. You know, when we know our worth... We can truly walk in our calling, like you were just saying. I love what you say in this session. Jesus knew that this woman, deemed by the world as a lost cause, was a source of untapped kingdom potential. And this is why the enemy attacks us, because if he can defeat us, mm-hmm. discourage us, intimidate us from our calling, we don't feel good enough, etc., etc., then we're not going to be fearless. That's true. He wants to rob us. I wonder how often we let man-made barriers keep us from conversations. You know, Denise, Jesus was not afraid of anything. Nothing was off limits to him because nothing mattered more than to seeing people come to salvation. Mm. So when he was talking to this woman, he looked past everything. Like you said, even just to engage in conversation, you know, rabbis wouldn't even speak to even their own wife or, you know, on the street. It just was unheard of. So he was breaking all kind of you know, barriers, even to have this conversation. Nothing was off limits, not her her gender, not her ethnicity, not her social status, not her secrets, not her questions. So throughout the conversation, she kept trying to focus on temporal things, but Jesus continually shifted her attention to the eternal. And as, as, as he continued to reveal himself, she stopped cowering to the voice of comparison and she stepped into her calling. So although she came to draw water, he came to draw her to a new way of life. You know, it's interesting, Denise, that in this story, the disciples are going for food. They've all been traveling together, and they went around Samaria, wouldn't even get food in that city. Mm -hmm. So while they saw nothing redeemable in the town of Samaria, Jesus goes right into the heart of Samaria and Mm -hmm. finds one woman who needed an encounter with him. Mm. And so she wanted him to meet this pressing need, but he wanted to meet her deepest need. 
And it shows us that we impact those around us when we let Jesus guide our conversations. It's so much easier to put up an argument than it is to put out a hand. You know, fear draws a thick dividing line, like these disciples being fearful of becoming contaminated by the Samaritans and wouldn't even go into town to get food there. The world doesn't need one more debate. It needs Jesus. It needs fearless women who will stop cowering to this voice of comparison and change our culture. It needs women who will stand out for the way we treat others and talk to people instead of talking at them. It needs empathetic women who listen for someone's pain and remind them, like you were saying how you felt growing up, remind people that they matter. Yes. So beautiful. And you know, I think this comparison thing needs to be broken wide open Absolutely, in the body of Christ because there's so much belittling, minimizing, speaking about and against a brother or sister in Christ mm. That we should not tolerate. I agree. It's demonic. It is. There's you no, know, there's no room for it in the body of Christ at no, all. No, we need to build one another up mm-hmm. because it, we have enough with spiritual warfare. I agree. And when there's so much comparison, you know, really, it's pride. Mm-hmm. It's people trying to be self righteous, and that's what you had yeah. there yeah. at that time. You know, it's I'm not going to hang out with the Samaritans because you yeah. know. They're beneath me. They're beneath me. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that I've thought about a lot because I see how it wrecks the next generation too because Mm. they are so tuned in to social media. And so if you're not hearing it in person, people are slamming each other there too, Mm. you know, and it's it's so hard. But when we point people to Jesus— He can truly quench their thirst. If we trust God to guide our conversations rather than being driven by fear, we can see God move in the lives of those around us. This conversation was also the first time Jesus openly revealed himself as the Messiah. And it was just in a one-on-one conversation with an ordinary woman on an ordinary day. No parade, no Facebook Live. <laughs> I know you're waiting for this big now. Ta-da! You know, but that's just that just shows so much about the character of Jesus, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And what's interesting if you study this passage in John chapter four is that she believed that the Messiah would come. As you look at their conversation. And when he did, she believed that he would kind of clear up all the confusion and this kind of rift between them and theological debates, just like we do today. We get stuck on, like you said, things that seem meaningless in the light of eternity, Mm -hmm. and we debate about that, and we miss the larger picture. So although she knew the Messiah would come, she just didn't know he was literally sitting right in front of her. And so he turned the conversation to the topic of her sinful lifestyle, not to shame her, but to free her. And for the first time in her life, Denise, she heard these words, you are not less. After years of brokenness, married to five different husbands, dealing with a mountain of rejection, here was a man who saw the worst of her, and yet he still wanted her. And she left her water jar and she ran back to her village to get everyone she knew to come and meet Jesus. But she didn't just leave her water jar. She let go of the sin that had held her captive. And that's important for us to know. Mm -hmm. And she left this cycle of comparison that had held her back. 
you know, she could have weaponized that moment, Denise, in retaliation against maybe people in her community that had hurt her or put her down, you know, or judged her for, you know, just the way she had been living. She could have kept this newfound truth and newfound freedom to herself, but instead she realized the moment that he was the Messiah and she experienced the truth of his love, she didn't want to keep it to herself. She didn't think twice about sharing it with other people. Mm. So good. You know, years ago when I was working in D.C., I one day was riding the Metro home, and I used to have this scripture bag, so everyone knew I was a Christian. Mm. But I was like, "If Lord, if you want me to talk to someone, Mm. you know, I'm available. And uh, this young man from a different culture, he comes up to me and he says, what does that scripture mean? Mm. And I start to share it with him. And in that moment, there's times where God just speaks to you. The Lord told me his mail. You know, mm. this is the sin he's in. Wow. And when I look at in this moment, see, there's a difference between uh, Pharisees hurling stones at someone saying a sin. And look how Jesus does yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It's always redeeming. That's right. And so in that manner, by the grace of God, I'm sharing with him, well, you know, the, the Lord sees. And I started to share these things. Mm. And he was like, who are you? you know, <laughs> how yeah. do you know this? And I said, no, God knows you. God loves you. And it, we, I ended up riding that metro around. <laughs> you know, on that, wow, we I had a great talking. conversation. Oh. But it, it was just a moment. It just made me think of that with this situation because so often we can judge other people. Oh, they're not going to be teachable to hear it. Well, mm. they might be. Yeah. How are you going to share it in a way they can hear? That's true. You know, and she heard it. Yeah, and then true. she wanted to tell the whole world about Jesus. But, you know, Denise, Jesus didn't lead the conversation by saying, sitting down and saying, you know, you have five husbands and the man you're with right now is not a husband and you're a sinner. And yeah. da, 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 da. He started with immediately, like you said, g- going to the heart of what was going to be one of her greatest issues. And that was this comparison and racism. Yeah. And by asking her for a cup of water, Mm. immediately that (laughs) changed the conversation. Eventually, he got into the root cause of her sin, but he didn't lead with that. And we can lead with love and let God guide the conversation, let the Holy Spirit convict. We try to be the one to convict, but that's the Pharisees throwing the stone. We don't need to throw stones. Let let Jesus into the conversation and he'll do the work, you know? Beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's... Look at the hallmark of Christ. It's humility. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not coming to, you know, kind of jab. Sometimes people say something mm-hmm. kind of passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And he's not politically correct, mm-hmm. but he's not doing it with pride. There's this beautiful, sweet humility mm-hmm. of, I, I want to lead you. You know, and this is something I've been thinking about lately too is how can my words be persuasive and wise? How can I win one? How mm-hmm. can I help someone to see? Mm-hmm. Instead of, let me tell you what I know. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> And that's what we see here in Christ. There was such power in her story. Everyone knew her and now heard this powerful testimony. When we simply love people and share our story, we invite them to meet Jesus. And, you know, sometimes our story is humbling, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't share a story to brag, look what I did. It's look where I was. Sure. Look at what Christ did. Everyone deserves the opportunity to hear Jesus say those same life-changing words he said to her. We don't have to wait until we've gotten it all together. Jesus wants us to be fearless. He wants us to come to him just as we are, Mm. boldly. You say in your book, Angela, talk it out so it doesn't take you out. Yeah. 
you know, Jesus welcomes any conversation. Nothing is off limits with him. He's not afraid of any conversation, and we don't have to be. Mm-hmm. I talked with someone a couple weeks ago who's not a believer, and I texted them, and I just said, you know, in your own words, just talk to God. It's yeah. just a conversation, and ask him what his will for your life would be. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, know that I am praying for you. And I think people get afraid of talking yeah. with God, or especially if they know they've messed up, mm-hmm. their life is not where it needs to be. They think that you know, God's not going to want to listen to them, or He's just some big, mean, ominous God. And you said a minute ago, Hebrews says we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That's what the cross did for us. Yes. That's what removed fear. So now we can come and be ourselves in His mm. presence. And if we talk it out, talk through the things you're going through, talk through the struggles, talk through the things that are making you feel less than, yeah. like this woman did, then it doesn't take us out. You know, we can talk those things out in God's presence. And, you know, I say in the book, we can bring our messy bun and our even messier situations. God does not care what I look like. He doesn't care how bad the situation is because He knows that He can change us in His presence and we can then become a catalyst for change in our world. And we will be the best version of ourselves in public when we've spent time with Him in private. So nothing, Denise, replaces this face-to-face, one-on-one encounter. We need to have that with Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't write a text, and he didn't sling judgment through a computer screen, (laughs) and he didn't glance at his overscheduled calendar. And no matter how busy we think we are, we weren't busier than Jesus and the mission that he had. He didn't send someone else in his place. He literally sat in the dirt with one person who needed his full attention. And he dropped everything to stay. The whole community said, Jesus, you have to stay with us, please. And he did. He stayed for several more days. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's easy for us to applaud, yay, yay, her, you know, from a distance. But the real test comes in how we choose to treat people. Yes. We had a Bible study at our church recently, and our new pastor had reached out to this homeless man that is living underneath a tree on our property. Mm. And we've invited him to services, invited him to eat. And I saw him walking by the door, and the room was packed. We had a packed room. We have to move to a different room. Mm. And I said, someone wants to come in here. And uh, the pastor, he said, "Um, he can have my seat. Mm. And it just took me aback because I thought, how many of us would say that? Wow. You know, um, honoring people, not not dismissing them because we've somehow re- relegated them to something. Mm. And that's really... Yeah, I love that. He can have my seat. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so I just, you know, it was so encouraging for me to see. I mean, there's just such a heart for mission in our church as well. But I love how you mentioned in your book the conversation we had here on the Black and White Podcast with Caleb Kaltenbach, the author of Messy Grace, How a Pastor with Gay Parents Learned to Love Others Without Sacrificing Conviction. In our discussion, he made this statement, acceptance is not agreement. Jesus didn't avoid the necessary discussion of sin, and neither should we, but we need to filter our conversations through the love, grace, and truth of God's Word. That's right, Denise. And the woman at the well made the most of her encounter with Jesus. She immediately left what was familiar with her to step far outside of her comfort zone. 
Her story became the bridge that enabled an entire town to cross over to Jesus. And once we encounter Jesus, we are never the same. That's when our ordinary moments, like you, you're on a bus, you have a Bible pack, you know, a backpack, a Bible study, and someone says he can have my seat. These are ordinary moments, but see, they become divine opportunities to share our story and to step out in faith and to stop living in fear. The enemy wants us to believe the lie that something disqualifies us from telling others about Jesus, maybe our you know, lack of knowledge of scripture or something in our past, because the enemy wants us to remain isolated and ineffective. Mm. You know, the Samaritan woman didn't have a pristine reputation and she didn't have a master's degree in theology. What she did have was a powerful encounter with Jesus and a story. And you know, ultimately, all these women have in common is that they were just willing to be used by God. That's right. That's right. So it isn't even them. That's right. It's God through them. And so for me, you know, when I share my stories, I don't want you to think, wow, look at Denise. Look at what God can do with mm-hmm. Denise. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and so, you know, even just hearing this again, I'm thinking and reminded one story that is just precious to me is when I was in the hospital with pneumonia and when I was laying there saying, God, um, here I am, mm-hmm. send me. And, and at that point, when he said to me, even here, Denise, will you let me use you here? I was like, I can't hardly talk, but sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't hardly walk, but sure, Lord, show me how. And it was just write a devotion on the board. But what was so amazing was just willing to be used. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. I couldn't do anything. He's like, okay, I want you to give away everything you've been given. Just walk down the hall and give it to those who have none. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Okay, I'm going to do this. You know, then it's exciting. Yeah. Because we realize we're on a mission and That's it right. isn't about us, us being superheroes or whatever. And these women, they wouldn't take hmm. the glory. That's true. You know, <laughs> their their fierceness, their, you know, fearlessness, they would say it's all because That's of right. God. Absolutely. And so when we're challenging you to be fearless, we're not expecting you to have it in and of yourself. You know, there's this um, thing in our society today that's like, you go, girl, you yeah. got it. It's all about you. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. (laughs) You know, it is about a God who can enable us to be fearless in a very fearful time, might Mm, I say. That's true. And, you know, there's times where I cave to fear, but it's when I walk in the Spirit. That's right. That I'm fearless. It's when I say, God, you're my portion. Mm. You're my strength. Mm. So it's just so encouraging. I love this conversation and that we can just start right where we are and share our story with others. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. It's just displaying for others. Look at this. Hey, I'm not a fearless person. Look what I'm doing. That's God. That's right. You know, you know, the other day too, I had this, um, someone did a uh, review of my book. Hmm. And let's just say, I can now say, guys, I got a one. Oh, no. (laughs) This was a bad review. And um, I did not feel any shame. Hmm. I thought, wow, look what God has done in my heart. Hmm. And I said, Lord, what does she need to hear from me? Is there anything you'd have me respond to or just not respond at all? Because she really didn't get, you know, she Hmm. missed, she was judging me. So she was coming, hurling stones. You're doing this, you're doing that. And um, I was warned about it, and I was like, well, I'll go read it. I think I can hack it. And um, so I was fearless. But when I read it, I was struck with 
the power that we have when we don't give in to that shame, when we don't mm-hmm. give in to that fear, and we choose to not focus on self and say, God, how can I serve you? That's so good, Denise. And you know, I was thinking as you said that, my dad used to tell me that hurting people hurt other people. Yeah. We can't control what people do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this woman had been hurt her whole life, partly by her own choices. She made yeah. some bad choices in life, but her race was her race. Mm-hmm. And so she had been so demeaned for that. Um, she couldn't control that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when we're hurt, we hurt others. Mm-hmm. Or when someone's been hurt, you don't know what was in this person's past to do that. And ultimately, right. we have to let it go yes. and just say, God, I'm going to do what you call me to do. Yes. If someone doesn't get it, it's okay. Yeah. Move on. The disciples didn't get it. Yeah. They're in another city. They didn't get it at all. Right. You know, they walk back from getting their lunch. They walk in with their McDonald's. And, and here come all these people out of the village <laughs> wanting to yeah. meet Jesus. They completely mm. missed the message, but she didn't miss it. So no, she didn't. We can be encouraged. If someone missed the message of your amazing book, you'd shake yeah. it off and go, I still do what God called me to do. You know what I mean? Well, and there's, you know, we always tend to look at the one. I know. And there's I this sea of encouragement. That's right. And I'm not doing that this time. Good. good. I'm looking at the one in a different light. You know, That's haters good. are going to hate. We know, know that phrase. I know. But do we love the hater? True. Can we also ask questions like Jesus did? Yeah. That maybe will make them think. And I did do that. Good. But it was, I hope and pray, in humility and with a, with a goal of helping her understand. That's right. And then mm. I can leave it there. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's Great fearless for me. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so uh, right where we're at, guys, don't let comparison or fear keep you at an arm's length from someone else. Don't worry about yourself. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people even when they don't understand you. We, When we ground ourselves in the Word, we can truly walk in our calling. Don't miss your opportunity to pre-order your book at AngelaDonatio.com. And we are having a giveaway this month. Leave a comment about how you have silenced comparison in your life to be entered to receive a free copy. The raw truth is that when we refuse to cower to the voice of comparison, we change our culture. The radical grace is Jesus never let man-made barriers keep him from divine appointments, and neither should we. And the real hope is that what the world deems as a lost cause, Jesus sees as a source of untapped kingdom potential. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 